0: morning ladies and gentlemen or maybe good afternoon um, my name is Mateusz Machaj and the topic of my speech is how to and how not to criticize the central bank. I would like to thank Professor and Ms. Gürtchen, um our hosts, for giving me this opportunity to speak here. Uh, in my speech I want to tell you about two possible ways to criticize the central bank uh, and in recent years since 2007, perhaps 2008, uh, we heard a lot of big criticism uh, raised against the central banks. And those criticisms, all those criticisms, they differ in nature, but they can, you can uh, group that, uh, those criticisms into two distinctive categories. And the first category uh, would be the category of complete anti-free banking uh, system so it would be the category of economists who are in principle against any sort of central banking and the second type of category would be a category of um, being historically against the central bank banking that is being against a particular chairman or particular type of policy that was pur- pursued by the central bank in uh, recent years for example so uh, even though the, the, the title of my speeches sounds very normative, how to and how not to criticize the central bank. Of course you can criticize the central bank in any way you want. Uh, just remember that if you fall into the other group you might not be allowed to bother them in next years. Um, so the, the first group uh, that is against the central banking, in principle against the central banking, is of course the group of the Austrian economists and fellow travelers of, of, of the Austrian school. As uh, Professor Hoppitz in his lecture uh, demonstrated, the basic problem with the central banking system is that it has a um, fiat money creation underneath it. So uh, money as a uh, commodity, it's not really a commodity anymore under the central banking system. It is a form of decree. It is even, it is even named like this. Okay, it's fiat money, which means that it's just created by pure decision. Uh, And uh, since the Austrian school criticised the socialist systems uh, for many years, it is also criticising the central banking system. Uh, The problems of socialism, uh, all the problems of socialism, uh, the source of them, uh, uh, is nationalisation of all the resources. So so the abolition of capital markets and, and factor markets. If you abolish uh, capital and factor markets, you don't have uh, competitive uh, economizing of all the factors of production in the economy. And the problem with the socialist order is actually that you substitute the property order, competitive private property order, for fiat property. Because under socialism you still have a form of property, but uh, the property is not placed within uh, the nexus of voluntary contracts. Uh, Under socialism, you have just fiat property, meaning that the state just decides, uh, I own this, I own that, I allocate the resources in that way and in that way. So, uh, as you see, at the very essence, uh, the central banking system is quite similar to socialism. We could even use the same name, fiat property, right? You just create property out of thin air under socialism. And in capitalism, with uh, the central banking system, even though you still have a form of property, so most of well, most, half of the economy is, is privately owned, uh, the, the most important commodity is being created by a pure decision. So instead of uh, just issuing a decree, I own this resource, the state is issuing money, but uh, in essence, it's the same thing as just nationalizing, nationalizing resources, it's just indirect. It's again, uh, just putting forward a law saying, I own this amount of money, and now I can buy whatever I want in the market so at the very core those two institutions socialism and the central banking are very similar and that's why uh, austrian economists since they are against uh, the socialist systems they are also against the central banking system now uh, many different uh, critiques uh, have been level have have been raised from from the austrian camp i do not want to go into details i want to just generalize them uh... in order to group them into this first group the group that is in principle against uh, the central banking and uh, uh, in the most general possible way um, I could summarize the arguments uh, if I could summarize arguments in in the most general possible way I would summarize them in the following way so under the central banking system you have fiat money creation and you can create money in two different ways one way is just pure creation of money and spending it in the market which leads to inflation and redistribution effects from uh, the holders of old money and to the holders of new money, who are spending it in the market. Uh, Then the second possible type of uh, fiat creation, fiat money creation, is also creation of credit. So the central bank or the banking system, the banking cartel, uh, public-private cartel, creates money, and not only creates money, but creates also credit, so it lends uh, the money in in the credit market. The uh, necessary uh, result of this is a sort of what we could call Schumpeterization of capital markets. Joseph Schumpeter, an Austrian economist, unfortunately only by nationality, Uh, uh, Joseph Schumpeter uh, argued that the capitalist system will naturally evolve into a socialist order. Some of the things he got correct, some of the things he got incorrect, but he is certainly right in stating that the corporate form of capitalism will evolve into, into a form of financial socialism. And in the capital markets we are actually observe, observing the Schumpeterization of capital markets. Why? Well, because in, in capital markets the private investors, the holders of money, they don't really decide about the investment processes, they don't really decide about the investment decisions. So in the capital markets, which which is the essential market in, in any market economy, in capital markets, we don't have private owners of capital and investors deciding about what to produce. We have just creators of money deciding what to produce. So you have a sort of crowding out effect and this crowding out effect leads to inefficiencies and wrong economic decision making. Um, You have a sort of debt-driven system in which uh, issuing money is just issuing a decision, okay this is profitable, this is not profitable. Under the free market uh, gold standard, the production of money and also the production of capital, if we can use this term, is dependent upon uh, private owners of capital and money. So you have the cost of production Um, which are dependent on the free market system the cost of production decide about how much money should be produced and under the uh, fiat uh, money standard under the central banking system uh, this is just being produced by pure decision-making so no economizing at all in production of money and this leads to crowding out effect This crowding out effect is of course different from the mainstream uh, understanding of crowding out because in mainstream you also have the term, in mainstream economics you also have the term crowding out but crowding out refers to government investments when the government spends the money, crowds out private investors. Now this is also true but uh, right now when I speak about uh, uh, crowding out effect I mean crowding out in more general sense, that uh, the banking system by creating money, by creating purchasing power out of thin air, crowds out private investors from the market. And the natural result of this is that the competitive pricing system uh, is being curtailed by this, uh, by this um, institutional arrangement. Uh, uh, to give you just an example, I, I was recently writing a popular uh, article about rating agencies. Uh, the whole market structure and financial market is being changed uh, by, this, uh, by this system, by the existence of this system. Rating agencies, when they first, started, uh, when they first developed 100 years ago, they were uh, focused on private investors who own the money. So, whenever you wanted to invest your money, you had to actually buy information from the uh, credit rating agency, from rating agency, so you paid for information. And the uh, capital, the, the person who gave capital for the production process was, was deciding, in a way, uh, to, to give the money to rating agency. Now, right now, 100 years have passed and uh, the whole system changed because in, in, in the beginning of 20th century and in the 19th century, more investment processes were financed through private investing, through private savings. So it was wealthy capitalists and wealthy owners of money who decided, okay, I'm going to start this investment process, I'm going to start perhaps some other investment process. And nowadays, most of the processes uh, are being financed by just banking money creation. So uh, under this debt-driven system, rating agencies are not really focusing on uh, owners of money, they are focusing on, on the system which is debt-driven. So, nowadays, the, uh, it is the creditors who pay for rating. And this is also supported by, by regulatory laws. Securities and Exchange Commission created the, uh, the cartel of rating agencies uh, to officially recognize them and recognize their rating. So, those two uh, factors definitely led to a situation in which it is no longer the owners of capital who pay for, for rating, But the receivers, the creditors, who are based on uh, their activities, are based on credit and money creation. They pay for ratings. It is, of course, debatable. You can debate it whether uh, what is the cause of this. But I think that the the driving force was definitely the change in the in the monetary system, and this crowding out effect not only crowds out. private uh, investors from capital markets because as owners of money you had something to say 100 years ago in, in the um, framework of price deflation steadily falling prices when you, when you uh, were holding the money you had something to say. Nowadays you don't really have much to say. Uh, you can jump on the inflation bandwagon with the banks, right? Uh, so to generalize uh, this criticism of, of the first group the problem of the central banking is that the competitive price assessments that are based on uh, private production of all the factors of production and also of uh, private production of money, that system is being curtailed and it's being uh, weakened by the existence of the central bank. who can crowd out those private decisions in favor of a form of financial socialism, in favor of bureaucratic management where it is just this pure decision making that uh, that is the source of profits and losses and and credit creation so this would be the first group Um, and uh, and of course different uh, as I said you have different economists within this group the Austrian school mostly concentrates on the interest rate manipulation and the so-called Austrian business cycle theory when they demonstrate the, that uh, the lowering of the interest rate leads to artificial booms that will be soon brought to an end. Uh, but uh, there are also other criticism that that can be directed against the central bank. So that's why I want this group to be a bit bigger than just focusing on this particular theory. Now the second group, uh, the group that we usually here in the media is a group which directs criticism against particular chairman or particular policy that was pursued by, by the chairman or by the board of the central bank. Uh, the, the best example uh, I think you probably heard about this economist John Taylor, a very very good mainstream economist, uh, who wrote a few articles about the central banking policy in the beginning of 21st century in the United States. And he argued that uh, because Alan Greenspan lowered the interest rate and kept the interest rates very low, this led to artificial real estate boom, and this was the source of the problems. Well, not all of the problems, but mostly this was the source of the problems. Uh, so he is uh, correct in his analysis that the interest rate definitely, uh, the interest rates definitely played a role in, in the real estate boom. But then at the same time, uh, in writing his papers, he's arguing, so the problem was low interest rates, but if you had listened to me and said the interest rates as I said, the things would have been different. Well, he's not really saying this, but he's, uh, he's writing that there is the so-called Taylor Rule, which he invented, uh, that you needed to follow, and if you follow that rule, then the problems would not develop. So, in effect, he's just basically saying, you should have listened to me and and set the interest rates as as I said, they should be set, and then the problems would not develop. Uh, In a way, um, there is always a problem when a journalist from the paper uh, wants to ask the Austrian economist uh, about the recent central bank's board decision about the interest rates. So, every month we have interest rates set by, by the board within all the central banks around the world. And then the journalist always shows up and asks the Austrian economist, so is this decision correct or not? Should the interest rates be higher or lower? Uh, And most economists always give answers. Okay, so price increases are external to our economy. I would keep the interest rates at the same level. Uh, Other economists are saying unemployment is rising, so perhaps we should lower the interest rate. Price inflation is rising, so we should perhaps raise the interest rates. Whereas the Austrian economist is always saying the same thing. Right. always the same thing, just forget about setting the interest rates, so the journalist is just tired and doesn't ask him anymore. <laughs> um, in, in, in responding to, well, how can we respond to Taylor um, and, and criticism there about against particular type of policy, where first of all, there is the problem of uh, hitting the right target itself, right, uh, whether the central bank can really hit the price, right? is it the correct price that, that the central bank can hit. And the so-called Taylor law depends on two very, very macroeconomic magnitudes, uh, aggregates, one is the so-called output gap and the other one is uh, rate of inflation, okay, and depending on those two variables and different parameters used in the, in the equation, uh, Taylor rule gives you advices uh, whether you should increase the interest rates or whether you should decrease the interest rates. So, uh, first of all, there are problems with uh, the measurement of, of, of those two magnitudes. In case of price level, as you know, we have CPIs, we have harmonized indexes, we have core rates, uh, we can use different glutes, we can uh, use CPI less food and energy. So, uh, depending on which uh, magnitude we use or which particular index we use uh, we might arrive at totally different results. Uh, the same thing with even more ambiguous uh, variable which is called output gap. Right? Output gap. What is an output gap? Like, If people are not working during the night is it output gap because they could produce more? So uh, the output gap is the second problem. It's, it is even more ambiguous to measure the output gap. So there are different ways to measure the output gap. And besides all that, there is a problem of measurement of data, whether you should use the so-called real-time data that you gather right now, or maybe you should use I don't know, uh, revised data, but it's hard to use revised data before it is being revised. Uh, but should you use predicted data, as most central banks uh, use nowadays, so you have all those problems. And it, it was even recognized in, uh, in the mainstream literature by, by a very good economist Orfanidis, I'm not sure I pronounced it correctly, so he pointed out that those rules those taylor rules you have different rules so if you have different rules you actually don't know which rules you should choose right which rule you should choose and then orphanius ended up being hired by the central bank so you see this is this is the career. you criticize the central bank that there are problems with with uh, pursuing monetary policy and then there you go since there are problems we need somebody to solve the problem right um so one problem is is can the central bank really Set the interest rate at the correct level. Now, if the interest rate is a price, as a market price, as any other price, it should be regulated by the market. So, can the uh, central bank really hit the target uh, of the interest rate? Can it really hit the target to create a sort of, uh, sort of, very, very bad economic word equilibrium uh, in the market? So, this would be this would be one problem. Um, but uh, the other problem is also that it's. It's the, the, the problem within the modern banking system its not only the problem of correct or incorrect interest rate, that you just set the interest rate on this level, lower or higher, or whether you hit the target or not. The problem is broader, as the first group demonstrates. Uh, the problem lies within the fact that uh, it is a form of bureaucratic banking bureaucratic management that crowds out private investors in their economic assessments under inflationary framework. Uh, Under socialism, of course, when you notice all the misallocations of resources and all the shortages and surpluses, you could, of course, enter the the store, the socialist store and argue there is a problem with price setting, okay? So you set the prices wrong, right? It might be a part of the problem, but it's only a part of the problem, right? The the big part of the problem in the market is not only how high is the price set, so how high, high the, uh, how high the interest rate is set, it's also the problem of demand and supply in this market particular. So who is supplying goods and services, under what conditions, do we have competitors supplying all the goods and services, and do we have competition within uh, the uh, factor pricing, factor, uh, factor markets, where you have also demand and supply, and you have competitive entrepreneurs assessing the usefulness of, of those factors. So the problem is not really only pricing itself, but it's also who sets the price. So who sets the price, who accumulates capital and who decides about the investment process and how he is constrained within, uh, within the economic system. And in, in the uh, central banking system, even if the interest rate is not very low or very high, even if it's just around the, the price that would have been in the market somehow, then still uh, under this system you have a crowding out effect that i told you about um, uh, when i uh, grouped austrian economists and fellow travelers into this group against the central banking in principle so the problem is not only setting the interest rate correctly the problem also lies in the fact that you have a uh, uh, on the credit market you have you have bureaucratic management financial socialism pushing out the uh, the private investors uh, and savers um, that could decide about the production process and competitive assessments. Uh, so the second group um, is a group of economists who are, who are suspicious of previous policies but in principle they are using the arguments that okay, we should change the chairman or we should change the policy, we should set the prices using different models. So in a way, they are similar in criticizing, uh, they are similar to economists who criticized uh, the socialist economy, not in principle, but they said, okay, so we should change the planner, the planner is wrong, right? Or we should set the prices using some other accounting rule, perhaps, in order to, to achieve better results. Uh, it reminds me of, of. The, well, it was not really a debate, but it reminds me that when the bailout program uh, was started in, in the United States, uh, so the bailout program was based on uh, buying the toxic assets that, bank, uh, that banks were holding, and actually two bailout programs, one from, from, the, uh, from the fiscal budget and one from the central bank. So nobody noticed that the central bank was actually bailing out and was using two times more money than, than, the, uh, than Paulson was. But everybody focused on the fiscal fiscal side. Nobody really cared about the monetary side. So uh, during that time, I remember that when when the 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 government was buying those assets in different forms, uh, I remember I read two different opinions by Anna Schwartz and and Paul Krugman. And Anna Schwartz, uh, the co-author of um, Monetary History with Milton Friedman, Anna Schwartz says now. yeah, it's better to buy the toxic assets rather than just buy, uh, rather than just buy banks themselves, recapitalize the banks themselves, rather than buy the bank stocks because that would favour favour banks uh, unfairly. So this would be unfair to favour banks in such a way to buy their stocks rather than buy the toxic assets, and then. Uh, a few days after that I read, I read Krugman's uh, article where he, argue, where he argued now it is unfair to buy the toxic assets because that favors the banks unfairly. We should buy the stocks of the banks and recapitalize them. So that was really strange. I read uh, the same argument, argument being used against opposing policies in like radically open manner. So in a way, uh, people criticizing the central bank and the central banking system from the second group—they are directing their criticism only on particular policies, not on the, uh, not towards the system itself. And I think that the problems lie, uh, the problems lie much deeper than than in just particular type of policy or particular chairman that is that is uh, the chief of the central bank. Okay. So th- to summarize, these are the two groups and. Um, now you know how to criticize. I adhere to the view that you should be in the first group uh, rather than in the second group. But again, it's your choice, but remember, be careful. So I'm gonna finish here. Thank you and give it to Philip.